0: Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LeGrecker, and this is The Courage to Hope. And today we have a guest, Linda Kokoris, who has a very interesting story, and she's uh, kind of a sad story, but now she's doing something to, uh, in regards to the, si- the situation. So welcome, Linda.
1: Thank you, Tony. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good today. Uh, we missed a big one. We didn't get that snowstorm here, but uh, last night I was on the I was talking to a few friends in, out in the western part of the state, and they were, their snow was so heavy, they, they would ruin their snow blowers. So. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, my daughter lives out in Harvard, Mass., and they were our power, um, and probably still are today. Um, they got a lot of snow. So, um, yeah, we, we missed a big one for sure last night, thank God.
0: Yes. And of course, somebody's listening to us who's got three feet of snow in their yard is saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah. So, so Linda, you you started a, a few years back. Let's start from the beginning. A few years back, your son was a police officer in the town of Abington.
1: Yes. Um, his name was Alex um, Kokoris. He was a police officer in Abington at the time. Um, we lost him to suicide. Um, through his struggles and pain that he was uh, going through. And uh, yeah, he he felt obviously that he could no longer take the pain that he was going through anymore, and he took his own life. Um, so
0: he, w- he was suffering from depression or yeah, uh, is de- it the primary anxiety. thing?
1: Yeah, depression, anxiety, um, trauma of the job, obviously overworked, overtired um all of it all stemmed all into one. I don't think there was any one particular thing. But yes, depression was a very big part of it for sure.
0: And we know a lot of other people suffer from that as well. And then mental illness, this state a lot of other states have stopped caring for people with mental illness and a lot of them are living out on the street. And yeah. It's a it's a sad story that we've we're supposed to be the the leader in the greatest country on earth. But sometimes we um we certainly slip up in a certain, in a few areas. Absolutely. Um, so, so tell us what you're working on now, what what you've started to do since your son passed away.
1: Yep. So um, I, I want to take it back a little bit. When, when Alex passed, when we lost Alex, um, you know, obviously our fa- family uh, went through trauma um, of losing him with so many unanswered questions and thoughts and, um no closure um so coming into his first anniversary um we were having a few of his police officer friends over to the home our home um basically not just to get together to celebrate or memorialize his name um that evening but we wanted to do something that would help us heal by doing something good for for someone else who would be receiving what we were going to be doing so we decided as a family that we wanted to make some blankets um a fleece blanket no sew type of thing and give them to someone who might be struggling with mental health depression trauma ptsd um and give them to someone just to give them some warmth and comfort knowing that someone cared um covet hit two nights his birthday is on march 14th which was yesterday um But back then it was two days before COVID closed down and um, the whole country closed down two nights before. So there was a wind of it going, getting out there that everything was going, you know, there was COVID hitting everywhere. We didn't, you know, we didn't feel safe about having people over to our home. Um, So we postponed it thinking that we were going to be postponing it for a week or so. And uh, it lasted, you know, much longer than that, like two years. Um,
0: or so. That's right. It was at least two years. Yes.
1: Yeah, at least the two years. So um, so the desire to still um, help others um, through our own healing um, and to help our family heal. And also the police officers. I, I came to realize over those years that not only were we um, going through a loss um, of no, no closure and grief of losing Alex, but they also were too. And um, so that has grown bigger or evolved bigger since then. And um, finally, last night, we were able to launch um, what we are calling the Alex G. Kokoros Memorial Fund. And through that fund, due to this organization, uh, we are going to be supplying departments, um, retreats, programs, um, that treat first responders um, or help first responders through um, their own struggles. And hopefully that they will be able to leave when they l- leave a program or go home after receiving some treatment uh, with one of these blankets in honor of Alex's name. Um, the blanket will is called the Hope Blanket. Um, Hope in my vision is the four letters, H is for healing within, O is optimistic for the future, P is the power of, of positive self-talking, and E is embracing where they are now in that moment when they receive treatment, or when they receive that blanket. And uh, I believe that you know they can't heal, start healing from where they were before, because whatever they're going through, they have changed. Um, so embracing where they are now is allowing them to heal from where they are in that moment. Um, so that name is definitely um, a big hope. Is Hope gives you belief. Hope gives you um, strength. Hope gives you um, courage. Hope gives you all of those things. So, um, and that's what we want to give a first responder by giving them one of those blankets. So the memorial fund was kicked off last night in on Alex's birthday. And uh, we had a lot of um, highly prominent um, people in our home last night. Um, launching, launching the memorial fund and talking about it. All of these folks who were invited were also very big in supporting mental health not only in, in, in the regular world but also in general but also in first response so we had Abington Police Chief um, David Del Papa he's new since um, a, over a year now and uh, he's absolutely wonderful in the Abington PD and uh, we had Deputy Police Chief in Braintree Mike Want we also had Plymouth County Suicide Coalition, um, Paul Gabriel and Jenny Babcock there last night. We also had Tom Lesage, uh, who is also a Weymouth police officer, but he has an organization set up called Cops for Cops, who provides financial services. Also, understanding the struggle about how police officers you know, work that detail, work the overtime, and to be able to so financial support for the families but also during all of that time they you know get overworked overtired and stressed about financial difficulties um so tom set up an organization called cops or cops supporting financial um services to them and uh it was great and then we also had a lovely first responder uh, she's an emt um heather little little wit and she is um shared her story about her own struggles and depression and how she um thought about taking her own life previously and um how she was able to turn that around by um baking and setting up her own small business called First Line Bakery and Cafe and um so we had a lot of people talking last night not only was I launching the memorial fund and Introducing the Hope Blanket um, to the group that were there. But we also had a lot of other people there talking about what they do in their communities um, to help with mental health, especially in first response.
0: Yeah, and as you're mentioning that, I just remember they, there's a new phone number now that you contact if you are suicidal, yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, there's a new, um, instead of dialing a, a 911. Remember, it's nine nine eight eight number um yes and if anyone is struggling um they can call that number and get through to the line for whatever help they need
0: Yeah, and if you know somebody who's struggling you can call it and and get some advice i would assume yeah. yes because uh, you yeah, usually absolutely. when or somebody commits suicide there's some a lot of cases there's um they, they're sending signals and sometimes I've had I'm I've had a few people in my life who committed suicide and when I look back on it I heard you know I, I now know that they were sending signals I just wasn't listening loud enough and yeah that, that you know I things you could have done they could have been um, given the chance to to have some help or to at least talk to somebody and talk them as you say off the ledge but um yeah if they, if they feel that they're all alone, I think that's the worst part of a suicide. Um,
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, Alex, when, before Alex passed, I mean, we knew he was, um, you know, definitely depressed and feeling down, but still getting up for work every day. Um, still doing his job and that he loved doing. Um, but as far as the signs, I mean, never in our wildest nightmares um, did we ever think that he would um, take his own life, that it was that bad enough that he would would want to end it all.
0: It, it could happen in just in a moment's time. But um, And one thing I <clears throat> just learned recently is that so last year in America we had twenty three thousand handgun suicides with people who shot themselves with their own gun. Yeah. And this is a I'm sure if he's a police officer, he had a gun, you know, that's probably one of the the negatives if somebody is a police officer. They've got to you're gonna people need to make sure that they get help quickly because they can't change their mind once that happens. Yeah. That's one
1: Yes, unfortunately, Tony, you know, the the thing with that is, um, you know, being a police officer, obviously they do have a gun. Um, But what happens is because these first responders and firemen and um, all first responders, you know, they're sort of looked upon as the community as, you know, superheroes. And, um, you know, they're able to take it all and push it all aside. So there's such a stigma um, with going to seek help for fear of losing their job um, or being taken off the job, their gun being taken away from them. And if a gun is taken away from them, well, then, you know, they can't do their job. Right. Um, right. Especially in police officers. So there's all of that. And then that if, if that happens, well, then how are they going to support their families and, um, and bring on some difficult times with their home and all of that type of stuff so they you know don't go and seek help for fear of that or or even becoming a liability for their department um for fear of, of all of that happening to them so a lot of times they don't go and seek help um it is getting better for sure um but there's so much more that needs to be done and um we feel that you know we can't reach those officers who lost their lives we can't bring our son back, we know that, we miss him, um, we miss him terribly, the pain that we feel every day, from his loss, um, does not go away, we just learn to live through that pain, um, as well as all the other officers, his friends in in the police department, they, they live through that pain too, every day, so what, we want to do is with the memorial fund is reach those first responders in a time when they might be going through some struggle and offering them hope that things can get better and if we can help one first responder um continue with treatment or seek treatment um guess what we'll we'll be honoring Alex by doing that, um, by helping even just one um person will will be honoring his name. Um so we that's what we want to do. We want that's why we want to get those blankets out to uh retreats programs where first responders go and get treatment. And it's not only for a police officer, for fire, dispatch, um, EMS. You know, that girl last night, that um, Heather, she shared like, you know, when she was going through a really dark time, she had like 11 bad calls where she had seven deaths um, that she had received 11 nights in a row. And uh, there has to be such a toll on the whole mental system, physically draining, mentally draining um, and even dispatch, you know, taking a call of a wife being abused by a husband or a child um, calling to say I'm being hurt, or a a, a son calling to say um, my mom is is on on the floor and and the and the dispatcher walking through them through CPR on a the parent. They take a, every call, every call, regardless, yeah. every call that they take in every um ambulance or wherever they go to 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 get a call every firefighter every call that they go out on every police every call they pick up something regardless of how small it is they all build up over time and uh, in during their career and uh, so we want to be able to get those blankets to them to offer comfort to let them know suicide is not an option um until to, to help them understand that their families will never be the same again. Um if they if they do think of that as the only option for them. Help is there. Help is is right there for them and they can seek it. And uh and I know they can come into my cafe anytime and have a chat with me if they
0: want to, for sure. I <clears throat> I was gonna say that it seems like The average person has no idea the way you just hand just handled it by saying what every single call. I don't think the average person thinks about that when, you know, they see a couple of state police cars at a major accident on the expressway. You know, realize Mm -hmm. that they're they're taking that person out of the car and and they have to be the first ones there to evaluate the situation. Uh, the toll that that can bring on somebody over a period of time. And I mean, some people would have PTSD for one call and yeah. the thinking somebody has 11 death calls in in 11 days, that's, that's really dramatic, you know, and that's like, yeah. and you, you, I'm sure you'll get to the point where you just give up hope on life and everything, you know, uh, Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting here listening to it as you're, as you're saying it, I'm trying to imagine what, what certain police officers have to go through, and and um, it's it's quite quite a a situation where it's, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. And those that do do it, even if it even if they think they're strong, it definitely has a toll on them over time. Yeah. And the one thing I know about grief is that if somebody is in the middle of grief, um, doing something productive or having um, you know staying busy and doing something is what you're doing because obviously yep. you just said you you think you think about your son every single day yep. and I I've also lost my son so I I know that feeling and yep. I, I don't I don't think a lot of other people understand how that that grief about losing a child is the Worst possible grief you could ever accomplish is one thing—you lose parents and grandparents, and and so forth. It's nothing the same as losing a child. It's yeah. not not even in the same category. Yeah. Uh, did your son have? Was he married? Did he have children? He
1: did. He he was married and he had three children um, that he left behind, and he loved yeah. them so, much, which makes it so hard to even think about was he even thinking was he in his right mind he obviously wasn't um no
2: no it's, because it's, i
1: know if, if he was he wouldn't have left them behind for sure his children were everything to him his children were yeah, everything like yeah
0: that, that that's what happens when they get into that that part of the brain that, that just takes it It robs the brain yes yeah. form of depression and and they battle with it tremendously and i um, and I had a relative who also committed suicide and he had two children and had everything going for him. He was a school teacher, he was a nice job, nice house. And you wouldn't think that he would even be thinking that. But we don't we don't know how how hard it is for the for the person suffering, the depression. And it's a it's a battle that you have with your brain. And and then when that when you lose that battle, that's what happens. And nothing else matters. And so it's, it's hard to believe that even children and your wife and the house and everything you have doesn't matter, but they don't think about it. It's not in the, it's not in the realm, you know? Absolutely. Um, and you would be good to tell us that it's not only when the person who commits suicide dies, it, it leaves the whole family. I mean, now the children are going to have that the yep. rest of their life they're going to know how their father passed away yep. and the, his his wife even if she moves on to anything else down the road she'll it'll always be with her but it's also with your family and your other children yes, um, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's just not it's more like 20 people instead of one you know mm-hmm. and so when it first happened how did you cope with the grief especially during the pandemic as you were you had uh, well, all this time to think about
1: it, right? Well, Tony, totally myself, um, I mean, for me, I'm the fixer in my house, right? Um, I'm the mom. And uh, I've always been the one to, to turn to when the kids would turn to for whatever, everything that they were going through, whether it be a boyfriend heartbreak or um, waking up in the middle of night and nightmare and the whole thing. So initially, my um, focus was making sure Alex's siblings and his dad um were okay. And um and turning into that role of being trying to fix this for him and making sure that they were okay mentally, which they weren't. Um so for me, you know, I, I was also running a business, my my own little cafe, Mara Riley's in Weymouth, and um, you know, I couldn't close down the cafe. I had to remain open and um fortunate for me um I dove into work um which is a good thing but also cannot be a, a good thing because you just focus on overworking and um really really focusing on on work but not actually addressing my own pain and my own grief my own grieving so um I feel like pushed that aside for a long time I didn't allow myself to grieve because my focus was my kids um, Alex's siblings and my husband and um, I'm helping them through it and being the strong one for them. So um, I dove into work for sure um, and that distracted me from thinking about what I was going through um, the the grief, the pain, once I got into work I had to push all that aside because I had a business to run. Um I just learned recently that, you know, over the over the years since then, you know, that all also wasn't a necessary good thing for me. Um because I pushed pushed it down, which is also creating, you know, my own trauma, um pushing my own trauma down rather than talking about it um and i learned that through an organization called first help or blue help who really took us under our wings we didn't know where to go we didn't know what to do or we didn't know who where to get help from and uh, first help was an organization who helped families who have lost a first responder to suicide and they provide um care blankets and care packages and um counselling, um, group counselling. They take the family away for a like a retreat week, um, like a call a family weekend. And they take, we do have intense counselling sessions and groups. So we're getting to meet other families and other parents who have lost a child to suicide, who is also first responders. And, and the same with the siblings. They were able to go in their groups and be able to open up to other siblings who had lost a uh, uh, first responder to suicide. And uh, that was definitely eye-opening for me, um, my husband and my kids. So, um, but working at the cafe was also um, strength for me because I got to be around our cafe. My cafe is like a coffee shop type of feel. And it's definitely in the middle of town who is very supportive of first responders and so first responders all come into the cafe not only from Weymouth but from all different towns so they knew what what was after happening and I found comfort in knowing that they were coming in um and that I could offer them a coffee and possibly make their day a little bit brighter if they were going through a bad day so I turned my grieving into helping and um, and has just progressed from there. So, um, and in turn, the Alex G. Memorial Fund has, has come about. The Hope Blankets um, have come about. But yes, I mean, initially when it did start, um, I turned my energy into helping my own family cope and um, helping Alex's friends, who were also first responders, cope and uh, knowing that i was going to be there for them and to offer a hug smile comfort a chat a shoulder to cry on wherever it might be that's sort of what my focus was in the beginning
0: for sure well that's really what got you through it because that yeah you did t- that energy level that you were putting out and and focusing on others you know and as yeah. you said, that, that that's good and bad. If you don't give yourself Linda time yeah. and give yourself some some breathing space, uh, that that can build up and you know not be so good. Um, yeah. How does how does somebody Linda get a hold of you to donate to the fund or to do whatever you would like them thank to do?
1: Thank you for mentioning that. So um, they can message me to. At the moment, we have a board of directors. Um, that just got set up our lawyer um lovely gentleman in abington everybody who is involved in this are offering their services free um to us so a lawyer um reached out to us heard our story and said i want to help you out set up the the fund and the organization um for no cost um and then um so basically the the fund is just finally setting up we're setting up an account we got all the paperwork all set up um and we're going to be posting out on all social media our daughter christina who is one of the board members she's tech um works in the tech world so she's putting a, a, a website together um so there'll be a donate um button on there so people can donate directly um on their website we'll also set up a Facebook page. Um, and all the other social media outlets where they'll also be able to donate um, through there. We will be working on some fundraisers. I'm actually going home to Ireland in June. So this is probably one of the biggest fundraisers or the beginning of fundraising for me um, to be involved in. But I'm going home in June to Ireland. Um, I'm going to be calling it a very, very steep, large mountain in County Mayo called Crowpatrick. Um, and I'm going to be doing a fundraiser for that, asking people to support me. So, I'll be putting out like a, a video on social media, oh. telling them what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to support that, but it'll be all really, um, a lot of thinking and a lot of uh, clarity being gained when I'm climbing up that mountain. I hope Alex is going to be walking with me um, when I'm climbing, and um, but I'm going to be using that as a fundraiser. Um, we'll also be renting out our dining room in the cafe and any funds um, in the evening time that we can rent out the dining room, any funds that will be collected for for renting out the room. We will also be putting that into the Alex Shee Kokoris Memorial Fund. Um, basically, the fund is everything will be all voluntary. There'll be no one getting paid from this. Basically, all the funds will be so we can get by the materials to make these blankets Even making the blankets will be all uh, community-based help. We'll be reaching out to communities. We'll be having blanket-making nights, asking people to donate their time for an hour, helping make these blankets. Uh, They're all being handmade. There's no machine. So it'll be just uh, getting in, and and I'll be able to teach people how to make these. And and then basically the materials will be purchased from the funds. And we'll be planning on doing so much more, the, the board will be able to advise us. Um, the board consists of our two daughters, myself, George, my husband, and we have a police officer um, who will be on the board and a firefighter, just a recently retired firefighter, my friend, Jay Bailey um, from Weymouth Fire Department. And um, he will also be bringing in his expertise um, with mental health and be able to help us, guide us in the direction of where our energy and funds will be best um, put to use um, in a significant way. So yeah, it's going to take a village to be able to bring this all about, but we're ready to put the work in and be able to help even one first responder uh, receive the help. And so that suicide is not an option. Um, but yes, they can reach out to us. You'll see videos out soon um, on social media. They'll see a website up very soon. The count is just about uh, set up so we'll be able to accept funds and donations um, very, very soon. But they can also reach out to me through Linda Kokoris on Facebook. Um, they can also reach yeah, out you,
0: Can me. you, um, I don't need to stop here, but can you spell yep. Koukouris because not everybody has got the Greek language down pat? Yeah, yeah,
1: you know? yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I know, I, even I struggle with it every now and again. Um, But it's basically uh, K-O-K-O-R-O-S. And uh, they can also email me, which is uh, Linda J- LJ Cocorus, the same spelling, at gmail.com. They can reach out to me through Maralli's Cafe um, in Weymouth. It's 90 Pond Street in Weymouth. I'm there every day. And uh, they can also message me through Maralli's. If they go onto Maralli's Facebook page, there is a messenger um, button on there. They can message me privately. And, um, we can chat about if they want to get involved or if they want to donate or if they have ideas about a fundraiser. Um, we're more than welcome and open to receiving any help that we can get.
0: So I will tell you, if um, if you've never been to my Riley's, uh, Linda's uh, one of the best cooks you'll ever meet in your life. Oh, and she you. makes the meanest blueberry muffins that you'll ever eat in your life. I don't know how you make them so good, but I'm afraid to ask because I'm sure that there's more than one calorie involved.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's like well, I pretend yeah. I, I say on Saturdays there's no calorie Saturdays. Um, when people come in on Saturdays, when they look at all the goodies, but at St. Patrick's also. You can tell I'm Irish, and we have an Irish cafe, and um. My rallies are well known for their scones, for their Irish soda breads, for the brown soda breads, for the treacle breads, oh. um, for all our delicious treats. So if you want to come in and get some scones and soda breads, we'll be happy to help you warm out of the Yes, oven.
0: well, I, I'm i happy to say that I married an Irish woman who's 100% Irish. Um, uh, She didn't have the accent like you do, but her, her ancestors did. Yeah. But I can tell you, she makes soda bread to die for. So I... Uh, she made it three, four days ago, and now I've been eating it every single night. Um, yeah, it is, it is terrific. So, as far as scones go, there's nothing better in the world, you know. So, yep. if you're nice, making them right,
1: scone. yeah, warm nice, scone, right out of the oven, absolutely. And it's a real Irish scone. Um, and do
0: you delicious. have that? Do you have that cotted cream stuff that you get in? I know you have it in England and Ireland, but
1: Ireland, yes. Well, I don't make it for the cafe. I do make it, um, but I don't make it for the cafe. It's a very long procedure. It's 12 hours making clotted really? cream in the oven. Yeah, it's a 12 hour process on a very low oven. So my ovens are getting used for baking every day. And, uh, you know, they're on different temperatures during the day. But for clotted cream, it's a very low temperature. It's a 12 hour process and then another hour, couple of hours in the fridge before you even make it. And, Yeah, so it's a very long process um, to be able to do that. And, you know, maybe sometime when I have a little bit of time, I will delight our customers in making some clotted cream for them. So at the moment, we do the good old Irish butter and uh, a delicious scone, and there's nothing
0: better, for sure. That's correct, definitely. (laughs) So if you want to get in, talk to Linda and get involved with her her fund and her... um, and start helping making some blankets. You know, um, you have to be a, you have to be skilled to make a blanket, or is this something that the average person can learn to do?
1: Average person all all we need is a scissors. That's it, and 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 a, and a set of pair of hands, because there's no sewing this. Um, and I'll be able to teach them how to do it. And um, we will be looking for volunteers. So yes, please reach out to us um, and let us know that you want to sign up to be a volunteer to make these blankets with us. We would love that. We'll be putting it all over social media um, to on, on those on those nights that we are looking for volunteers or blanket making nights um, for sure. Um, yes, no skill. We can. It's something that can be taught on the night. Men, women, teenagers come on and, and help us out. We'll we'll be happy and think about, you know, your hands making that blanket and then getting it to a first responder who is struggling. What a rewarding feeling that would be for you.
0: Yes, it would be. So yeah. definitely, anybody out there who wants to help, just get down to um, Ma Riley's and talk to Linda, and she's probably there ten hours a day, if my guess is correct. When do you start at five in the morning?
1: Oh, Tony, uh, you're 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 cutting me short there. I'm I'm out the door at three thirty every morning.
2: Yeah. And, uh, okay. I, Sorry. I, I, pull,
1: <laughs> I pull fourteen to sixteen hours a day. Um, six days a week, and I'm there every day. And of course, this week it's it's a little bit longer, um, because soda breads are selling out off the shelves every day. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a crazy day, but I'm there yeah. every day. You'll see me, and yeah, I'd be happy to talk to you.
0: Okay, so, but uh, Linda, we do have a little bit of time left, so I'd, I'd like to talk to you about grief for a minute because I'm yeah. I'm also um since my son passed away in 2014. Yeah. And after I went to Hope Floats in Kingston, and that's where I met up with other parents who were in the same boat with me. And then after time, I became a facilitator because uh, I seemed to have the, the energy for it. And I did that for like four years. And now I work with a group of men who have lost somebody with a substance use disorder primarily. But, yeah. you know, um, and I would say at least half of them They say they overdosed or they died of fentanyl poisoning, but suicide is a big factor in that too, because some of them, that's, they figured was the only way out. When you were, when you were suffering, suffering from grief, and and I'll give this example to to you as uh, somebody that I knew who lost two relatives. He lost his brother and his wife in the world trade center. And, and the first year he said that everywhere he went, he had this, a huge boulder on his back. And then when I, I saw him 10 years later, he said, Oh, no, he said, that boulder is still there. He says, it's just my back is a little bit stronger. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, like I've heard things like, Oh, aren't you over there over it yet? Or, or, you know, you got to move on. And uh, people don't understand that haven't lost a child that you'll never get over it. Yeah. And and you could agree with me on that, probably. You never get over it, and you're never going to get over it until the no. day you die, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and, Tony.
1: And I, you know, I, I, that analogy of the gentleman sharing about the boulder and, and the boulder, um, you know, is heavy and his back just got stronger. Well, I actually just said to, you know, my friend today, I was feeling a little bit down, um, a little bit heavy earlier today after... You know, thinking about Alex, you know, he he would have turned forty yesterday, and um, you know, we should have been celebrating with him, you know, for his birthday, for a big birthday milestone, and then, and instead he, he wasn't, and we were having a launching a memorial fund in his name, so a different type of feeling. Um, and I was thinking all those things, you know, this morning, and feeling very heavy. Um, saying he should be here, he should be here, and. Um, I don't. I'm trying not to get emotional, but um, one of my friends messaged me earlier on, um, before I gone and said, "I just checking in. How are you feeling?" And um, I said, "I'm okay," because we talked earlier on too, and I was letting them know I was feeling pretty heavy, and um, so we just checked in and said, "I'm just checking in to see how you're doing," and I said, "I'm okay. I'm a tough Irish woman," and um. You know, my wounds, my heart bleeds, like my wounds bleed. And like a, a wound, when you have a wound, it bleeds. When you apply pressure um, to stop your bleeding out, Um, I've learned to apply pressure on my wounds so that I don't
0: bleed out. And that's yeah, the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'd like to say it's the new normal. You yeah. know, it's it's not a great normal, but it's the new normal because that's where it's going to be going forward. Yeah. And, and again, uh, that's another thing. Some, You know, like in our, in our country, it's, you know, you get two weeks off if somebody, you know, for bereavement week, you know, for death or something or three days to some companies. And it's like, they, they think people, we, we get over something that quickly. Um, yeah. It, it's not like getting over a cold, you know, it's, uh, yeah. we, it takes a long time and yeah. it takes, it takes forever basically. But, you know, as they say, th- things will get manageable because it, time time will do that to you. But as far as getting over it, it doesn't happen. It's not, I'm not getting over a cold, you know, it's a whole different animal. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and people who out there who know somebody who's lost, uh, especially a child, you know, what that person did with you was asking you just, how are you doing? That's the most important thing that you could say to somebody who's in, in, in heavy grief is how are you doing? And what, is there anything I can do to help, you know, making yourself available? Don't tell them how to do it. Don't tell them what to think. Don't tell them anything like that. Just, just be there. Yeah. Be there. And if yeah. somebody's in the early stages, make some make them dinner for them, make a meal yeah. and bring it to their house, you know. And just because they don't feel like eating, nobody feels like cooking. And and the things that were real important, like Christmas, you know, it's not the same anymore. And yeah. People need to understand that. I I know a woman who's lost her husband, and and it was like two weeks before Christmas, and. One of the neighbors sent her a Christmas card. And said, "Have a merry Christmas." You know, like nothing ever happened, and it's it set her off for a week. You know, you got to be thinking, think things through. You know, and make sure that you you feel like for the other person. You know, and and <clears throat> and be aware of what's going on in their in their world. You know, it's like yes. very very important because everybody's going to have grief at one point or another. So it's going to come in different grades. But let's let's hope that losing a child is it's, unfortunately it's just just in Massachusetts from substance use disorder. Last year we lost two thousand two thousand peop young people and that's two thousand too many. And yes. that means there's four thousand parents who are suffering out there. Just yeah. in one year. In one yeah. year. So there's a lot of people out there who are feeling the pain. And yeah. um and again, getting involved is the most important thing to help you and help the situation is yeah. getting involved and doing stuff.
1: Yeah. And talking about it, you know, talking about it openly, there's a lot of shame, um, Tony, with that with stigma of, you know, suicide. Um, oh, yeah. So for me, you know, talking about it openly with no shame, um, every opportunity that I can get, um, whether it be at the cafe or just having a conversation with something, I'm always going to, um, if it, it con- an opportunity arises for sure, I'm going to be right in there talking about it. And um, especially when I I know that there's someone listening that could possibly help another person um, through whatever struggles that they're going through in the time, for sure. Yeah. I
0: was going to say when I... I lost a relative to suicide as well, 30 years ago. And I remember the priest saying to me, I know the biggest thing on your mind is you want to know why, why could he, why, why did this happen? What were they thinking? And you have to let go of the why and try to remember them as they were. It's a sickness of the brain and, and they lost the battle but don't be angry at them and don't be mad at them because this is a battle that they had to fight. And, and like, you know, if you, you know, they made it till they were 35 or they made it to a certain age, you know, yeah. that's how, how long they, they fought the battle and, you know, let them, uh, let you, your mind remember the good side and yeah. just remember this is a disease. And that's, what's the difference. It's a disease. And you, know, you can't be angry at them if they had a heart attack or if they hadn't um, lung cancer you know you don't get angry about that so as far as this goes don't get angry just remember it's a disease of the brain
1: yeah and Tony totally, I, I totally agree with you and you know for me um, where I'm at right now I mean I could I could certainly like put my energy into in, with my own grieving and a lot of that I could put my own energy and I choose not to I choose to get up every day I choose to Go to work every day. I choose to put my energy, um, in a direction that is going to be helpful for others, and um, and that's where I'm at. So, it's a choice for me. It's a choice. It's it's no other way. I choose to put my energy into helping others, and uh, and that drives me. That drives me, um, with passion, with strength to put all my energy into just keep moving forward to help breaking the stigma, to help um help others, to give them comfort, to give them show compassion, um, and to let them know okay, it's it's okay to to be struggling. It's okay. There's help out there. And let's get you help. Um it's
0: right yeah. Nine eight eight, right? Nine eight eight. Call yeah, that try. number. Yeah, don't forget it. It's nine eight eight because I, I don't think they've advertised it or publicized it enough yet. I don't think the average person knows that it's changed to nine eight eight.
1: Yeah, there yeah. is one one department, um, Chelsea Police Department. Um, Captain Dave Betts um is is on the, Ch- the Chelsea Police Department. He also lost his son, who was a in law enforcement. Also, he was twenty four years old and he lost his son to suicide. Um, so he is definitely. A driving force um, with a campaign in Chelsea um, that the Chelsea Police Department have put all those stickers on all their police cars, 988 on every car. Um, so that if just someone out there who's struggling um, and sees that number driving by and is struggling a little bit, they can see that car- number on their cars and get help, call that number. So that's one yes. department. We
0: hope to get other departments involved too, for sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you get up early in the morning, so you must have to get get bed to bed get early moving. at night. Yes, yeah.
1: I'm. It's... I get to bed very early at night, Tony, and I've a lot yeah. of other things to do before I I get to that bed. So, um, okay. but I thank you so much for having me on. Um, you are all WMEX Ben. You so supportive. Um, of getting those important messages out there for folks to listen to. And just by even getting one message out on the radio, um, you never know who's
0: listening. Since, since Yeah. You're right. I know. And since our show is the courage to hope, could you for one last minute before you go, tell me what hope, what are the four letters of hope mean? Yeah. So
1: um, hope um, we came up with the word hope that would be meaningful um, to to others but for in our context of what we're doing offering a first responder hope and the letters of hope have each meaning and H is for healing within O is for optimistic for the future P is for power of positive self talking and E is embracing where you are now so you can embrace the healing for whatever moment that you were in. Not from where you were before, but from where you are now. And so that's the four letters of hope. They have a huge symbol of meaning to me and to other first responders who are seeking help.
0: Right, you can take that to the bank, folks. And this is the courage to hope. And we've been talking to Linda Kokoris from Ma Riley's restaurant and her program, about her son, Alex, and we really want to thank her for being on the show today. And again, thank you, Linda. And this is Tony LeGrecker and Courage to Hope. You're listening to WMEX, 1510 AM. Thank you very much, Linda.
1: Thank you, Tony. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you.